Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hi. You know that movie you always wanted to see, but you didn't for whatever reason? Well, I call those black hole films. Everyone has them, and this podcast aims to do something about that. I'm Jeremy Lalonde, and every episode I'll be joined by one or more guests to watch a film that at least someone in that group hasn't seen. We'll talk about our expectations of it before it, and then our thoughts after it. This is episode 73, and if you've been a fan of the show for a while, please take a moment and rate and review it wherever it is you listen to it. It really does help spread the word and get eyeballs on the show. Today I'm joined by Andrew Bush, who is a director, writer, actor of such projects as Picnic Face... Roller Town, and the upcoming series that I worked on him with, Cavendish. Also joining us is Kevin McNenley, who's a director of photography on such films as The Animal Project, The Drawer Boy, my film The Go-Getters, which is coming out this year. He also shot the first season of a show called Little Dog and worked with Andrew and I on the upcoming show Cavendish. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch Troll 2. I'm Jeremy. I haven't seen the film. I'm Andrew Bush. I have seen the film. I'm Cabot. I've never seen the film. So what do you know about Troll 2? I know almost nothing about Troll 2. I got it confused with Leprechaun, actually. Leprechaun 2 or just Leprechaun? Just a Leprechaun. <laughs> a Leprechaun movie. <laughs> he doesn't know the difference between trolls and leprechauns. Yes. Uh, I only know exclusively that it's just in that canon of bad movies that people like to watch because it's fun to watch. Best yes, movies. there's actually a documentary made about it called Best Worst Movie. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's fascinating, fantastic. I learned a huge amount about it. But I actually knew about Troll 2 before the documentary came out. I'm, I am a bit of a connoisseur of bad movies. So I actually don't like The Room as much as I did because it's kind of too mainstream now. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like one of those... Jer- yeah, I'm like, one, I'm like hipster. Movies. Yeah, I'm one of those guys who has like... Who talk... I can't even do references about music. I don't know anything about music. But... <laughs> I really don't, but I can highly recommend like Mac and Me, fantastic bad movie. I loved Mac and Me as a kid. I haven't gone back to watch it as an adult. You have to. Because in my mind, it's still a good movie. You don't realize what, like it's an hour and a half long commercial for McDonald's. McDonald's, that's what I remember. There is a a 10 minute dance sequence in McDonald's. Yeah, I, I remember seeing it. I remember renting it on VHS when I was a kid. Uh, because I thought I loved E.T. so much. You thought it was E.T. too. I thought that's it was literally why they made it. As good yeah. as E.T. Yeah. I, like, I was like, not. That's exactly why they yeah. made it. They, they got you. Yeah, they got me. <laughs> yeah. 100%. And McDonald's paid for it, apparently. Oh my, of course they, like it's, oh God, that movie is so good. But, but Troll 2 as well is, is fantastic. It was made by um, an Italian director written by his wife. Um, you don't see that in the credits. You find out, you, you have to go online to find that out. But uh, um, the director apparently was a, a very grumpy man and he cast people um, locally who I think thought that they were coming in to be extras and they were cast as leads uh, in, in the movie. And you can definitely see that. Uh, there is some incredible sequences. There's a very famous sequence that is um, online where a, uh, can you like edit this in? No, don't spoil, don't spoil. We can talk about it. We'll, we'll talk about, we'll about it later. Oh, okay. So I don't know how this works. Then, oh, what we're going to do is well, we, we have a brief I've never listened to your right podcast, after. Jeremy. I'm sorry. God damn it, Andrew. I, thought, I, got <laughs> I hear there's like a hundred of them or something. I got you this number one fan t-shirt. <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. I love it. Um, you can try it on later. Uh, do you? I, I assume we don't have to have seen Troll 1. 
Oh, that's the best part of this. I just want to add this. Uh, actually, is there no troll one? There is a troll one, but it's not connected at all. It was the movie was originally called Goblins. Then it was it was bought by a production company who had made Troll One, and they were like, "Eh, fuck it, let's call call it Troll Two. So it's like Halloween Three. Well, I didn't. What's Halloween? What is that? The same thing? Halloween. Well, after they made Halloween One and Two, they Halloween Three. Halloween Halloween series of films was originally meant to be an anthology series. So it was like every movie was going to be. Different. Oh, I see. And, and follow a different thing, right? Oh, yeah. So even though one and two were both, I remember uh, a continuation yeah. story. Number three is called <clears throat> Season of the Witch. It has nothing to do. There's with no Michael Myers, Mike Myers or anything, or anything like right? And then when they did four, they went because they realized, oh, people like Mike Myers. We should keep keep on doing that because that made money. Um, so it's, so it's similar to that. Can I just? Can I just? I said just Michael Myers. Uh, yeah, I see, you said Michael Myers. I don't know. Can I just have a quick aside that uh, yeah. a friend of mine when I was younger convinced me, truly convinced me that Mike Myers plays Mike Myers in, in that. I, I really you believed it. like eight years old. Oh, it made no sense. <laughs> it made no sense. And I was like, oh, that, I, yeah, I was. Uh, that's, that's great casting. Yeah, that's was great Halloween casting. Was Halloween 3 the one where uh, uh, Corey Feldman ended up being the I've never, I've never seen it. The, what? Yeah, Corey Feldman is in one of the Halloween, Halloween movies. I did not know that. Well, you probably looked that up. Really yeah. quickly, uh, but I'm not going to. Uh, I haven't seen it. It's it's one of those ones that I just sort of aside. That's okay. You're allowed to have a side. We I had an aside. <laughs> this, this, I this, had this, a great this, aside. My son was inspired by this whole yeah. thing. Is an aside. This is uh, the whole thing. Okay. Well, we'll get into all of this after. But let's okay. just dive in. All right. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right. We just finished. Um. I, I feel uh, complete now as a human being. Do you? I do think. you really, Jeremy? <laughs> I uh, I don't know. I, I I think we're about to make a show together, the three of us. I feel like the bar is set very high. I feel like it was a great bonding experience. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have we set that up really though? Like, uh, do do we do we know what uh, our relationship is? I here? just I just literally set it up, Kevin. Oh. Now, now, <laughs> now it's set up. It's yeah. set up. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, we're about to make a TV show together. I'll, I'm just going to push that a little. We're about to make a TV show together. Jeremy is directing episodes. Uh, I'm, uh, I guess, show running and writing. Uh, and, and acting it. In, acting uh, and department. Acting department. And, and uh, Cabot is shooting it. So, as we watched Troll 2. We slowly realized this is... And yeah. he's just stolen the storyline. Yeah, I, I repurposed it. I've noticed that uh, there are some similarities be- between uh, the show that Mark Little and myself are creating and uh, and this uh, Troll Two. As uh, I don't want to give away too much um, because I might get sued. No, don't do it. No <laughs> exposures. Uh, back into the movie. So uh, yeah, what uh, amazing love that. We were having so many conversations throughout the movie that we uh, will try to recap the best of our great comments. But um, love that uh, the word troll is never mentioned in this movie. It's, it's legit about goblins. It, it was it was original. It was a movie that was written called Goblins. Uh, the title was Goblins. They are everyone. They're fighting goblins, and then they sold it to I guess MGM, and they already had a movie called Troll. So they're like, ah, you know what? Uh, let's just call it Troll Two, and maybe people will dupe people into watching the it. I guess people who love Troll. People who love Troll. Troll was not a bad movie. I watched Troll. 
It, it, Troll was like a like a high. I think it was a higher production value movie. Wasn't and Jennifer Aniston in Troll? Troll. Jennifer Aniston might have been in. She Troll. was in Leprechaun. Leprechaun. Oh no, you're right, man. You get your Leprechauns and I Trolls know. mixed up. I know. I, I was hearkening back. <laughs> I knew she because that was your first movie, right? Yeah. You wanted to make another. I think another apology as well about Corey. The Corey. Corey Corey's Corey Hand. Yeah, oh, I do because in the intro I mentioned that we were talking about how Halloween Three wanted to be a standalone Halloween movie. Uh, that had nothing to do with Michael Myers. You thought it was Mike great. Myers. Mike Myers, Michael Myers, yeah. And and I had said I thought Corey Haim, was Feldman, in. I mean, was Feldman. in was in. Okay. What is what? Get your facts straight. We're in an age where you have IMDb. (laughs) You could be on it. No one would see you holding the phone. No, we're doing this is all. (laughs) Which Corey is it? On top of the, it was Corey Feldman. It was was Corey Hart. Corey Hart was in. (laughs) Corey Feldman was actually in in one of the one of the uh, one of the 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 Friday the Thirteenth movies. He was the. Uh, the child version of uh, Jason Voorhees, and not nothing. Oh, he was like the nephew or something. No, right? he was. He is Jason. He's. In, it's implied at the one of the end, at the end of one of the Friday the Thirteenth movies that the Corey Feldman character is the child Jason Voorhees. And, Wait a minute, and it's real. You realize it's a prequel that you're watching, or am I wrong? Maybe I was right the first time. I don't know. We should look this up. He's in. He, Feldman is definitely in one of the. Earlier movies, I can't remember what it is. Is it Friday the Thirteenth or is it Halloween? I think it's there is such an easy way to solve end this. Up being yeah, we won't. We, we, we should just keep to, to the internet. No, I'm gonna do it. You guys, you guys talk amongst yourselves. I will be uh, right here. Well, you can just edit this out because you will be editing this, right? Oh, or God, are you just no. gonna literally just copy? <laughs> the whole and paste thing goes it? up no matter <laughs> how boring it, it is. Everyone loves a tangent, and this is what we can call. Oh, tangent, oh, right? oh, good. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, this, that's this kind of podcast. So let's let's talk about the. The cinematography, since we have a cinematography, we have here. a full-fledged official well, cinematography. Well, he looks the shit up on IMDb. Now it's on me to to talk about the cinematography. Please, Look, I mean, I think that there's when I watch a movie like this. This is a 1989 movie. I'm always fascinated by the idea that the standard he was, was he played Tommy in Friday the Thirteenth, the final chapter, which was. Um, not the final film. Obviously. No, he was much younger. That that might have been a re. That was probably this, like this would be early eighties. Well, this is Friday the Thirteenth, not uh, yeah, not yeah. Halloween. But, but he was know. in. It must have been like a. Anyway, I think he was probably Friday the Thirteenth as a kid. He was like a yeah, kid. he was a child. He was a kid. Yeah, this is before. This is before Goonies. Just yeah. before Goonies. Yeah, it's like, like a year before Goonies. Yeah, maybe yeah. this is what got him the role. Like we want yeah. that. He was also in Jason's Gremlins. kid. The same year, right? Oh, that was Corey a good Feldman. year for him. What you mean, Friday the Thirteenth, Goonies, and Gremlins all in one year? All within like a really short span, yeah. Oh, and then he did wow. Caddyshack two or something. He or? did Caddyshack two. You know what? Let's just shift. Let's just change your podcast to just talk about Corey Feldman the entire time. <laughs> I think we should have yeah. a podcast. Feldman's not even in this movie. Yeah. Moving on. All right. Uh, the cinematography of Troll Two. Well, okay. So because we're working on a project together and. You know, there were moments, I'm not going to lie, there were moments within this film where I was sort of like... Inspired? kind of like a nice shot. Like, there was like, inherent of being shot on 35, which was the standard, right? Like, I mean, if you were to make this movie now, it would probably be shot on iPhones. Maybe yeah, it, maybe, you were saying maybe, what year was this, 88? Maybe at Red Epic yeah. or something that yeah. no one uses. Whatever no one uses is what it would be shot on now. But like... Uh, it's not hard to make a movie look good now. You don't need money to make a movie. Well, that's not true. I mean, I, I will argue it 
what what is good is for the goose is no, always all I mean is sorry, I meant that in the sense that <laughs> I want you to finish that. <laughs> what is good for the goose is good for what? Isn't always goose for the goose. For Isn't the always answer. goose for the Corey Haim. Corey yeah. Corey Feldman? Which one are we at? All right, um, where are we at again? Okay, yeah. My my only point was wasn't you need talent to make something look good, you don't need money. Is where I was trying to Yes, yeah. that is yeah. true. Yeah, I mean you can put you get it, Jennifer Aniston in a movie like they did in this one. Oh. Jennifer Aniston was not in this movie. Oh. Jennifer Aniston was not yeah, in this movie. Yeah, I'll be sorry. honest. Can I, can I, can I just be honest, Kevin? Every time you would watch, you would see a shot, and I'd hear you go, "That's oh, not bad." I got a little nervous. Yeah. I'm, good. <laughs> I'm a little bit nervous. We're about to work on something. Yeah, we're about to we're about to shoot uh, a show, and uh, every time and, uh, you would go, "It's uh, pretty good." I go, "Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> uh-oh. sometimes I, I, I'm only saying that in the sense of like. When you when you inherent of thirty five millimeter, there's a romanticism that a DP places on an, an image when he knows that it's shot on thirty five. There's like something where you're like, ah, oh, that looks so much cooler because you can sense it, and there's something beautiful about it. And even these old movies that there had they had no option other than to shoot on thirty five because that's kind of like it, you know whatever the well, demands had to be. Had yeah, okay, sure, sixteen is even more beautiful. I mean. All I'm saying is that there's an inherent beauty to that medium, uh, and this movie has that. And sometimes the sometimes the DP nails it. A couple there's a couple shots where I'm just like, that's a fucking nice looking shot. What did Andy you said we were watching? Is that he's trying. The DP is at least trying. I think sometimes he does try, and I feel like maybe yeah. the D, the DP was trying, and then and then. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there, obviously. Uh, but maybe sometimes the director was just like, just fucking shoot it kind of thing. Because honestly, yes, the DB is trying, but there's sometimes in the night shoots, there's yeah. there's a scene in the bedroom where it's supposed to be dark and there's literally just a spotlight on the child. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you can see a hard <laughs> shadow behind him. I'm not saying that this thing is something that we should be, you know, showing Fire film shooting. students no, 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 no. And, and saying this is great cinematography. I'm just saying sometimes there's little moments, right, where... Or maybe the DP was like, oh, I had this idea, and everyone was like, yeah, we got time, let's, let's try it out. Let's you know? do a popular like, day. Hey, yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what's interesting, too? I've listened to a lot of different people talk about Troll 2 podcasts and, and, and well, read an about it. It's an obsession of yours, this movie. It is a bit of an obsession, but honestly, I have never heard a professional really just break down the cinematography of Troll 2. <laughs> so this is actually quite, I think this is untread, like this is new ground we're breaking. Hey, look. Everyone talks about Troll 2, this, but this is great to hear like... A professional be like, well, that shot isn't so bad because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I mean, you're I'm never going to get work again if someone hears this. So maybe you should shit on the show. I know. I mean, look, I'm not going to say that this is like amazing cinematography. This is not where I'm going with this. I'm just sort of like, I always have this sort of thing where when I see something and that's shot on film, I kind of like, you know. I kind of come back to, I kind of sort of look at, at, at like, oh, well, you know, where would I have been if I was that cinematographer working on a movie like this? Would I have, like, tried when I could to, like, really come up with an amazing shot? And of course I would have. And there's there's moments in it where there's, like, little, little, little or things. Flourishes. That, that little flourishes. Yeah, good word. Flourishes of, of nice things. But I don't want to, I don't, honestly, I don't think this is where this conversation should go. Back Let's keep going. Right? I wanted the whole time. No, but it's like, oh, yeah. I mean, there's the old adage that it's like, no one sets out to make a bad movie. Yes, that's exactly. what, again, right. that is what, sorry, you go ahead. Because, yeah, that's because that's what's beautiful about Troll 2, is that it's clear that 
they weren't make. This isn't like Sharknado, where they knew what they were doing. Sharknado has a cynical uh, aspect to it. They're like, okay, this is a. All right, this, this. Let's try a weird thing. Yeah. It's People called Sharknado. It. And yeah. yeah, they know it's bad. Yeah. And then, then they made Sharknado 2, 3, 4, and then just the cynicism is just so apparent in those films. But Troll 2, The Room, these movies uh, have this kind of like, th- this, this passion is so apparent. Yeah. And that's what I love about them. Just watching these, it's clear. I mean, Tommy Wiseau really believed that he was going to make an Oscar-winning movie. I yeah. Like, he knew it. He knew it in his heart. And Troll 2, maybe not, I don't know, but I do know the director really thought he was making a, a, a terrifying film. Yeah. So... And then I feel which like is people, amazing. Which is amazing. Like when people, when you see a movie like this and you go back and you look at the experiences that you've had on a film set, the camaraderie between the, the actors and, the, and everybody who is taking their real time to do this. They might not be being, being paid very much, but this is real time that people are taking out of their lives to create something. And you can sort of sense that, like, when they were doing the shot of the guy getting burned, uh, somebody was like, all right, everyone, are we ready to do this? This yeah. is what this, this day is. This person's risking this is, their lives right this is, now this is, for this stunt. What this day is all about is it's all come it's down sure. to this. We've shot, sure. we've shot 20 I'm pages sure. today, That's and now we're going to burn this man. Like, you know. There, yeah, but there, that is not what happened. <laughs> and then when, for what? When, when the guy was done being burned, everyone probably clapped their hands and yeah. said, we fucking killed that guy. Let's drink a beer. They, they were all so happy. I, I, I have to say, the reality of the situation was most of the crew uh, uh, was Italian, and, and the actors couldn't understand what they were saying. <laughs> they didn't know what was going on. The director would give them direction in, in broken English and sometimes Italian. He would call them dogs. <laughs> He called them dogs. You act your dog, do what I say. He would give them literal line reads. Right. And they would say, uh, this isn't how, like, normal, well, this is how, isn't how American kids talk. He's like, no, I know how American kids talk. You talk like this, you act your dog. So, so I mean, I mean, I, I, ideally, yes, in my mind's eye, maybe everyone just clapped and was super excited. But I think that, I think most of the, I think... Honestly, all the actors were just like, what the hell is going on? Well, I guess this is how a film goes, because they'd never been in a movie before. They didn't know. So was this the the Italian director's like (laughs) big break into American cinema? I don't even think so. I think it was just, he's done so many movies, it's just another one of the movies that he did. I, I, I don't know... Do you know what the shooting schedule was for this movie? No, I don't. I don't know the, I don't know the financing and stuff, but I imagine it's one of those... I feel like some of these things are like there must have been some kind of shady deal going. I wouldn't be shocked if this movie was shot in four days or if it was shot in four months. I both neither answer would surprise me. I, I know they say it in the in the doc in, in the yeah, documentary. Like, well, let's talk about. I think it's like two weeks or something. Like, oh, the documentary is fat fabulous. You really do you really do have to watch it. It's, it's, it's a companion called, piece. To it's called film. best worst movie, and it's made by the, the the lead kid Joshua, the guy the guy who plays Joshua. He thirty years later. He's like, I hated this movie, and then I grew to love it, and I just want to go back and find out like what these people are doing and what what brought the director and the writer to make this film. So yeah, it follows that. So you even get to meet the uh, composer of the theme song. Uh, that guy, they're all around. They go and and they go on these tours. Like uh, they they've been in Toronto several times. The dad has been in Toronto, and they they play at the Royal. They play Troll Two at the Royal. 
Right. Yeah. Right, so, right. I mean, I, I've never been to one of those, I'm, sadly. Um, but, you know, when I, sometimes I think about, like, you know, there's, like, this whole sort of uh, fan base around these Italian slasher movies. And yeah. this is all based, the, all these film, the main filmmakers are all Italian. Is there any relationship between those Italian slasher movies? There's a name for them. I can't remember because I'm I not like know. a huge fan, but like it's a thing, right? I, like I, Italian. This is all news to me. This Italian slasher genre. There is like a big thing, right? Like the, it's like a thing. I have no idea. I'll, I'll take your word for it. Any, uh, any relationship to any of that, but. And so you're saying his wife wrote this script as, as a way to shit on vegetarians? Yes. Uh, the, she thought vegetarians were kind of... Stupid? Little, well, just kind of, uh, uh, I think, maybe a little bit high and mighty. Uh, they were kind of judgmental. So she wrote this. At least in the documentary, they talked to the wife and she said it was just kind of a, a slight to vegetarians. A little bit of a kind of a parody or something like that. So of... Uh, of yeah. how vegetarians kind of um, exist and such. I'm okay, Jesus. So, um, so yeah, that's that, that's a bit. That's essentially how the movie kind of like uh, uh, went down. So, I, I, what I, the one thing that I absolutely love about this movie, in the sense that like you can love to hate something, is the way it just decides not to make any rules. And oh yeah, yeah. As, as you said at one point, I'm like, so now the trolls can, do, the, the, or the goblins, can just teleport. Like they just teleport at one point. It, that just changes everything. Uh, yeah, I think the writer didn't. I think it feels like a first draft. It feels like it was all written, and there was really just not even a spell check or anything that was done. They just went straight to shoot it because yeah, the the trolls have different the logic of the. The troll's magic or the goblin's magic is is all over the place. You're not sure what's what they can do and what they can't do. What 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 happens when you eat? I mean, I don't know. Most of these people, I'm assuming, listening to this podcast will have seen Troll too, but maybe not. I but. think for this, you generally, I like to hope. I, I don't worry about spoilers for this kind of thing. But I generally, hope, I mean, for this movie, I think you can get away with not seeing it. <laughs> Okay, well, then I should but, explain. But, but you, go ahead. Explain. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, I should explain that there is at one point the goblins, or the, the whole thing is the goblins eat people, and the way they eat people is they feed them or force feed them some kind of special gunk, and that turns them into vegetable matter, uh, and because they're vegetarians. So they're no longer meat. They're no longer meat, even though, honestly, I think that's still, anyway, whatever. These people uh, are hypocrites, but they are. Yeah, these, I would say. These, these goblins. So yeah, and then they eat it, but it doesn't make because it doesn't the logic of it doesn't ever make sense because sometimes they'll feed someone and the it'll take you know uh, forever forever for them to turn or, or sometimes they'll instantly turn uh, into yeah, and it's not like because the one guy takes forever to turn into a tree and then what then he turns into a tree doesn't even turn into gunk. But what happened? They, he starts to drag him out of the building and then we never see him again, right? Yeah, well that the reason that, that happened was the director just didn't like the actors anymore so he cut him out of the film. So one guy <laughs> the, the kids, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the tired kid, he just hated him. As a, he was like, you're an actor dog, you're terrible, you won't do what I say. So he just cut him out. And the kid that uh, see, got drowned in I, I need to see this documentary because I yeah, need this I want to like, too. Uh, we should do like a, a companion episode where we, we've all <laughs> it's, the it is heartbreaking too. It's so touching and like I I, I mean maybe I'm speaking talking it up a bit, but because I 
no troll too, so then I got to watch and see the, the people's lives. But I, I really truly think it's a good movie. It's so, a good documentary. But, but how much of your love for Troll Two is influenced by the documentary? Because oh, I was I, in love I with know the do- there's a lot of things that I once I know more about them, I I have a new love for them, and I love yeah. Troll Two. Uh, you know, and I will now say I'm a fan of Troll Two to some people. Uh, like, uh, your t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. But like, it's interesting to me that I, now I really want to see the documentary after you've told me about it, just because I want to know, like, I want to know more about what this, what it was like to that's make what, a movie I mean, that's like what, this. That's you know? what's fascinating about bad movies is, is, is more about, they raise questions of what was going on behind the scenes. Well, to be a fly on the wall, when I was in film school, we became obsessed with Mystery Science Theater. Yeah. 2000. So we'd sit around and watching those. You ever check those out? You know, you know what that is? Yeah. They're on yeah. Netflix now, I think, a lot of them. And yeah. so we became kind of obsessed with these things. We, we'd, uh, we'd go to this uh, video store called That's Entertainment in St. Catharines, and they just they had them all. So we'd, just, we'd buy them, and we'd watch at least once a week, Sarah, and drinking and getting whatever, and just watching and just loving the fuck out of it. And my one roommate... Became obsessed with this one in particular called Mano's Hands of Fate. I know Mano's Hands of Fate, yeah. So he decided for our, in our third year of film school, we had these like 20 minute documentary projects we had to do. Mm-hmm. So he decided to go to New Mexico <laughs> and do a, a, and find the people that were still around that were part of this production. And they made it this 20 minute documentary called Hotel Torbo. I think you can find it online. Uh, they did where they found some of the people still alive. One, a couple of the actors, uh, wow, and and did a making of of uh, Manos Hands of Fate, which I think I might be wrong. I think when they reissued a DVD of Mystery Science Theater of that thing, they put it on the bonus features. I mean that. So Hotel Torgo, check it out. Uh, I would like to see it because I mean uh, the uh, the goat guy. I would love to. F- did they meet the goat guy? Did you see Manos Hands of Fate? Oh yeah, yeah. we. So, you yeah. know the goat guys like oh master. You yeah, need, yeah. Like did they meet him? <laughs> no, he was. I think most of them. Oh, were I think dead. he was dead. Actually, yes. Well, there was also. Oh, he, uh, yeah. It was a mm. crazy thing. I mean, in that movie in particular, there was a, a bunch of crazy. Just the stories that came out of it were crazy. Like there was almost a curse where so many people. He, yeah, that guy died, died terrible, terrible deaths. That guy died terribly. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of them did, but they would. It, it was made by a fertilizer salesman. Yeah. Who like basically bank- bankrupt himself because he thought he could make a movie better than anyone in Hollywood could, and so he like put himself at great financial harm and and spent like a hundred grand or something like that making this movie, and would do stuff like that when they when they rented out the, uh, the the big theater in town to do the premiere they had one limo and so they drop people off and drive around the block and pick up more people and then drop them off. It said it took like an hour to get to do the red carpet because they had the one limo, but they wanted everyone to show up in limo, so it made it look big and fancy. Oh, <laughs> and see, but again, that's that stuff to me is just so wonderful. And I, I'd seen, I'd seen Troll Two before they they made the movie. I, I knew about Troll Two, so it was like it was exciting. But that I went to see the documentary because of the, because I knew the the movie. So I'll, I'll see these movies. I seek them out, um, and I, I, I even watched. Manos without the mystery science soundtrack, so it was it was rough. <laughs> it was rough. See, I don't know so. about a lot of this stuff, but like uh, you know, when I when one thing that we sort of you know it was one of these movies watching Troll Two where you can't help but have conversations as you're watching the movie. So 
you know, yeah, you know, at, at some point you're watching and you're like, oh, am I going to miss some major plot point here? If we don't stop talking, of course you're not. But like <laughs> when you when you talk about bad movies and and this and and people, you know, appreciating bad movies in some way, you can't go without bringing up something like The Room, which is a movie that I still haven't seen and I had never seen. And then I see The Disaster Artist, right? Mm, yes. And so the reason I'm fascinated by seeing a movie like this and discussing it, 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 you know, like, do I like this movie more if I know more about it? I'm, I'm bringing up a, a point of conversation here, not really... Yeah, I, I, think, you know, I, I think you go, like, you develop just a new appreciation about it. Um, or because you want, you want to get behind it. Like, I think it's interesting, we were talking about, Andy brought up the idea that it's like some people that have seen The Disaster Artist first... Uh, that haven't seen The Room, like The Disaster Artist, but if you've done a reverse, you've seen the movie and you read the book, The Disaster Artist, and then you watch the the Franco movie, it's not, you don't enjoy it You don't much. connect it with it as much. And the reason for me, I'll speak from my own personal experience with it, was just that um, the book, you really get a sense of Greg, the guy who wrote it, who was kind of like the second in command uh, the guy, who, the witnesser. I, I think of Greg. I think as it was like, the line producer slash lead, act, lead actor. actor or like, yeah. I think of Greg as like the guy that when the serial killer leaves one person left to tell the tale, that's Greg from the room. Yeah. Like he just, he's not. It's not responsible. He knows it's crazy, but he's just the one to tell the tale. And but what you get a real sense in the book that despite the craziness and the, of whatever time it was though is, is that he does have an affection for Tommy and that, and there's this weird admiration and they have this kinship where the, you don't get that in the movie, the way you do in right. the book. The book is like almost a celebration of a bunch of this weird time in their lives. Ragtag group of guys trying to just make a movie. I haven't yeah. seen the disaster. Artist. What is that? What is the, I mean, I've mean? seen, I had never seen the room, but the disaster artist, like, I loved the when I first saw it. I even actually texted you the minute I walked out of the movie, and I was like, "Have you seen this thing yet?" Because I loved it, and I was like, I was blown away by the disaster artist because I just loved the depiction of passion, and 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 you know, obviously, I don't know the real story. Obviously, it's a in a way, yeah, it's but a Hollywood movie, but like yeah. with Hollywood people making a movie that that's based around a movie that everyone kind of thinks is shit, but they kind of love in their own, for their own reasons. But what I took away from the disaster is it was just a bunch of people, like a, like a love story about filmmaking, you know, it was like a guy who was like flawed and in many ways, like kind of like depicted horribly, but like a guy who just really loved movies and wanted to make his own. And I, and I, and I can't watch a movie like Troll 2 and not hope that it's Some of the people way. making that oh, troll too. The director really did to fucking make yeah, the director movie. really wanted to. He was. I don't think it was a cynical effort for him. He. Yeah. he t- in, in, if you watch the do- if you watch a documentary, he's like, I don't know why this is the movie that that, that everybody loves, but it's wonderful. He th- he's like, look yeah. at these people. They love my movie. Yeah. Sometimes they laugh at parts that are supposed to, aren't supposed to be funny, and sometimes they don't laugh at parts that are supposed to be funny, but they're watching my movie, and you're like. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of beautiful, you know? 
Yeah, that's, I get that. that's that's the beauty of what 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 I think disaster is. I mean, we're not talking I'm, about but that. But I'm glad you walked away. No, that's okay. We can talk about whatever. Uh, I, I'm glad you walked away from disaster because like, that's kind of, that's what I wanted to walk away from based on because that was kind of my experience with the book. Is I felt that, but then I felt that. But that, I think this is always the case when you read a book first and then watch yeah. the movie. It's just then it's, it's it by the nature of it, it's just a distilled version of that thing. Yeah. And so for me, it just it was missing some of the nuances and some of the moments where I was like, you know, I'm also a filmmaker, so I was reading that book, going, oh, these are the moments you're excited about. That you're excited yeah. about seeing that you think yeah. are touchstone moments. And it's like, oh, how could you not include these little pieces? Did they cut out all of like the, the half of the book, which is about? Greg's career, which yes. doesn't have anything to do. With they do a weird scene where he, like Sharon Stone, Sharon Stone plays his agent in the movie. Okay, uh, but then there's like one scene of that, and then it's gone. And that's yeah. just to draw. I think they only use that as a, as a driving point to drive Tommy to motivate him to to work harder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They just really trunicate all that stuff. Do they? Do they? Uh, is Tommy in it? He must be right. Uh, Tommy, Tommy, Wiseau? Tommy Wiseau is a has a post credit uh, uh, sequence. He was he's in the movie in a, a apparently there was a part written for him yeah. that did not make the final cut, and they do it as a post credit. It's actually lovely. I, most people I know did not stick around for the. It's a literally post post credit. Like it's, it's like very end. Yeah, it's not like it's not like two minutes. There's something about it. Like I'm. I met him and I had a big long interview with or chat with him because we were supposed to be pitching him a show. I, I worked at Funny or Die for for these people. Look, I'm sound like I'm whatever, but I That's worked okay. at, yeah. I worked at Funny or Die and we were pitching him sketches like SNL style sketches, and it just somehow turned into him pitching us a show because he, he thought that we could we had connections with Comedy Central or something like that, and like I we just. We just want to put you in a silly sketch, man. Right. We can't like, and it was like an hour long. And then he also really wanted. We should have done this. He was like, "I'm. I have an underwear brand. I want to do a commercial. We should have went like, whatever you want, Tommy. We'll shoot your underwear commercial. You can direct it. But all we want to do is just shoot you directing the movie, <laughs> and then put like made a little documentary about that. Just gave him all the money he wants to do this underwear commercial. How do we do he wants? Because, honestly, because I pitched, this is before The Disaster Artist, I pitched an idea which was we want to we want to redo the room shot for shot with, or as much as we can, with, with like famous people. So we'll provide the people, these, these, you know, A and B list actors, and you can, you can reshoot it. We'll get a, we'll get a proper DP. We'll and he was still going to direct it? And he directs it, yes. That's the thing. We wanted him to direct it. Yeah. It would be all your thing. Um, and, and would you shoot a behind the scenes thing? And that's what we did. That would be the thing. We're just <laughs> yeah. recording him. And, and, and I mean, it wouldn't be the whole thing, obviously, but it would be like, um, okay, maybe we just, we just pick pieces that he would get to yeah. do and reshoot. And he was like, yep, I'll do it. Uh, and then we just, we couldn't get anybody. And I think yeah. it was because of the uh, disaster artist was coming out. I think they thought it was maybe too similar. It's well, there is there is that actual stuff in the disaster artist, except for you don't get to see him directing it. Yeah, that was a, that was the thing that was I, I thought was exciting was we, we were just just getting Tommy. Often he's used like with Tim and Eric and all that stuff, and he even talked about that. There's an episode of Tim and Eric that's directed by Tommy Wiseau, and he was frustrated uh, because. 
he wasn't directing it. It was kind of like just a bit of a, you right. know, it was, which is fair. Um, well, he sees himself as a legit talent. Well, yeah. And, and honestly, I feel like, I, I don't know, I can't speak to his talent, obviously, but like, I feel like if you're going to use him, use him. Yeah. <laughs> like, use him that. But maybe that's a bad idea. I don't know. Yeah, you're, yeah. I don't know, maybe it would have been a big fucking mess. You know, so. <laughs> The uh, so much. I, I'm very proud. There's there's a point early for those that are familiar with the story of Troll Two. There's a moment where uh, what's the grandpa's name again? Grandpa Seth. Grandpa Seth uh, appears in the window when they get to uh, Norbil. How was it? It's Nilbog. No, Nilbog. Goblin spelt backwards. Yep. I ruined it. I ruined it for people who haven't okay. seen it. Okay. Uh, he's looking through the window. I, I, that's a they're, big they're reveal. They're that's all like those a sixth sense reveal. Sixth sense, man. Literally go, you see a nonsensical word on the screen, and the kid goes, that's goblin spelled backwards. Well, yeah. they, they'd set up like, Nilbog within a few times. Moments. <laughs> yeah. But I was very proud of myself uh, when they, gra- Grandpa Seth did freeze, froze time. And, uh, yeah. And, the, and he had 30 seconds, which was probably closer to two minutes, to figure out how to get his family to not eat the food. And Andy just turns to both of us like, how's he going to stop him, guys? And he made his guess. <laughs> and it wasn't my first guess, but my, but my second guess I got it right before it happened. Yeah, I was impressed. I know, and my guess was, oh, he just knocks it out of their that's, hands. So that's a realistic <laughs> guess. How many people that... When you watch this with people, do you, do you often try to get... I them do ask that. I have a whole thing. I usually... I, I, I do a bad movie night... Uh, and I have done a bad movie night in the past, and I have a whole, I have a, uh, I have a, I have a trivia section. I have a PowerPoint. I have uh, a PowerPoint. A whole, yeah, PowerPoint of this movie. I have a PowerPoint of explaining like jokes and, and all that stuff. I, I've got several movies that I have little packages that I do every every uh, every time I show it. But um, that is the sign I, me up. I'm amazing. Into that. I pause. That sounds amazing. And I and I troll troll the audience, poll <laughs> the audience. I poll the audience and ask them. Uh, what they think will happen, and um, one person other than you has gotten it. Nice. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and 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 um, it's, most people have seen it now. I feel like I mean, back in the day, it was kind of a exciting little thing. People hadn't seen it. Um, maybe it was, I'm impressed that you guys. I'm surprised you guys haven't seen it. But uh, I don't know why. I, I, de- I definitely heard of it just in the realm of like great bad movies that, yeah. are, that are fun to watch. They're tough to find. Well, because some are just bad, bad. And yeah. And there's nothing really... Like, they have to be at a level of just ridiculousness for them to be good. There's a magic to this. I one. have this weird handful of movies that I'll... I can... You know, it breaks my heart that I'll never be able to find them. But when I was growing up in, in small town Orangeville, uh, back in the early uh, 90s, uh, late 80s, where we, we would... Me and my friends would go to... There was multiple video stores. And we would go and we would seek out horrible like horror movies like movies that looking back now before I was at all savvy about like how films were made and like what was good like what made something bad or good like, there were so many yeah that, I well, wish that was I, the, that was the time was, yeah there were so the many where, like I remember this movie watching it was like you know like you know there's that Rob Zombie movie where it's about this like weird sort of freak family and they're uh, living in this like farm or something and people somehow stumble upon the farm and mm. they get killed and and I feel like this movie was made like you know in the 80s and it was made for 10 bucks like you know on a on a VHS camera 
And there was this video store in, in my small town, like that, like had these movies, and we would we would there was shelves of these horrible horror yep. movies, and I'm like that, yeah, and and I and we would watch them, and like we would get high and whatever, and like it would it was like a high school thing, like the, when, I remember when I started the first time I drank beer was like watching these movies with my nerdy friends where we weren't going to parties. We were renting shitty movies. There's something that, that kind of thing is kind of lost these days. So, you know, with the video stores, the mom and pop video stores kind of disappearing. Yeah. And even, even with Blockbuster kind of went away a little bit because that's similar to me. There would be a mom and pop store. We, I, I, we used to watch these, a series uh, uh, Full Moon Entertainment was the name of the company, and they did B movie horror films. So I did, I watched um, what was uh, Doll Man versus the Demonic Toys was one that I was obsessed with, and uh, oh god, what was the other one? Trancers. Uh, these are like really bad. There was like six of them, and and like all of these like, and, and, and in fact, what's her name from uh, As Good as It Gets? Uh, the Helen. 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 Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt. Her first kind of. Film film was in the first Trancers, and like you watch it, and I'm like, that's fucking Helen Hunt, holy shit! And it's it's before anything, and yeah. she had a lead in it, and then she came back like after Mad About You, she came back for like Trancers three because it was like clear that I feel like she felt like a warm connection to the to this company, so she kind of did like a like a you know a cameo, and and it was like you're in. You're, you're, you're pretty big at this point and you're doing tra- a Trancers movie. Yeah. Only because you wanted to. Oh, yeah, only because you wanted, wanted to. to. So there's that kind of excitement in these kind of B-movies and these bad films where you get to see uh, people early in their careers. Sometimes people pop up and they disappear. Oh, yeah. But you get yeah. to see them starting out. No one in this movie. No, no one in this well, movie. And, and that's more what I'm talking about is like there is literally almost no one in these movies that I saw that I would ever hear about. But the fact that Trolls sort of got or troll two kind of got above something to the point where somebody made a documentary about it and now it's kind of entered the pantheon of, of yeah. this like but there still like, was even though there was just not like tons of horror movies and then there, it's not still not like the amount of content we're making today where things just disappear and get lost you know that's yeah, true like, you, you could it, make a movie and people like a and like a decent amount of people might see it yeah know? I mean this is also it's so hard to make a movie yeah, this is also the era yeah. where where that's the whole thirty five mil thing. Like, yeah. like this movie was shot on thirty five millimeter, and there and if you look on the IMDb credits of this movie, there is a thirty five mil print of this movie. There's oh yes, like, yes, it's a, it's a proper film. Yeah, like, no, but think about this. This is also that era, uh, that sweet spot in filmmaking where you know blockbusters giving out money for VHS rights and tapes, right? It wasn't that hard to put together the financing for a movie if you like it's genre. It's gonna be this and that. Even though it wasn't called Trolls 2 and it was being shot. You know, it's the kind of you almost picture it's the kind of movie where they created the box art before they made the movie. You know, yeah, to, box to your, art, yeah. To your yeah. point that it's like they just yeah, shot yeah. the first draft. It was like that's it's a, a beautiful idea too, though. But that's what they did. They they, yeah. they, they would do that. That's like we have we we have uh, ten million dollars. We're going to spend a million dollars in each of these films. All we need is one of them to make their money back and pay for the rest of them. It's like you're making uh, Doctor Ballerina. It's a horror yeah. film. Uh, this is what the cover. Art. We already designed the cover. Art. Go make that movie. You've yeah. got a million dollars and seven days to shoot it in. It needs to be done <coughs> by next month. 
Yeah, but then you look like one of the first things that popped out the minute you pressed play on this movie was the MGM MGM Lion was like uh, yeah. I'm I would sure, love. I wonder know. if they picked that up. At, I don't know. Yeah, maybe they've picked it up since it's created this. You know, since yeah. it's gotten some kind of cult following. I would love to do. You know, they have those like forty-hour film challenges for short films with people. Yes, yes, yes. I would love to do like that. Lot not Lionsgate, but those. Uh, those those distribution companies that did that those models those slate models of ten films I'd love to like do that but with you know tier A filmmakers and it's like here's the box art you have a month to make this film that's from that's from writing it to production yeah. to post you have a month here you go but again, just, and just to see and and do it as a documentary series see how they could do it they would never do it it'd be so entertaining well, oh, there'd be some, you get Del Toro would, be, would jump all over Del Toro it. yes you're right like some I guess you're right some people who came from that world Raimi maybe, you get Sam Raimi would 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 be up for it you, you need the right people I wonder I wonder if they would be able to people that came from that world but then you, but then but then that it's almost a flawed concept because. The movie would be an inherent of the, these filmmakers that you, you're talking about who admire these films. The movies would be too good. But you say that, but it's also, there's, one, there's one thing to look at it and be like, because would they be satire, you know? Or, or no, 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 that's or, true. No, I think they would, they would earnestly try to do it. But you'd also come up against the same limitations these people had, where it's so easy to say, well, I can make something better than that. But it's like, they might have had those limitations of, here, you can have this money, you can make this movie, it's got to be done by this day. Need it. But you're talking about movies that would ultimately end up being good, right? Like, if you're saying that, like, you have a movie, you have a box art, you put the box art forward, and you have all these influences uh, of movies that this box art is inspired by. You're creating a challenge for people. Is that challenge to, like, make a movie based on box art, or is that challenge to make a movie that's shit? No, no, just make a movie based on box art. But the box art is going to be like this, this heavily B movie type films. Right. Right. It's still going to be that kind. It's not going to be like, go make a boxing movie for a million dollars. It's not that. Yeah. It's got to be a movie that like fits into that, that box art mentality. Right. Let's do it. I would, I would <laughs> love a challenge. Like, that have you ever, so have you ever done a 48 hour film challenge? No. Okay. No. I did one. Don't ever do it. <laughs> I did. Hear that, kids? Hear, kids? Bye, don't fa- don't try. Don't try. It's a terrible idea. It is I, a terrible. It's a flawed concept. It, it was. It was. Well, it was flawed in that when we did it, they they dole out the genre, so we got drama. We had to write, we had to write, oh. shoot, and and like and do it like do a drama like we and instead of we were almost gonna like throw it out, we were like no, let's go for it, and it was. Oh my God! It was so. It, it was. It, it, we had, we didn't have any time. We uh, we had no sleep. I literally didn't sleep for forty eight hours, and um, we were cutting it. And it, it was down to the wire. We had to get it in by five. We had finished cutting it at four. I think four forty, four forty five, and we had fifteen minutes to get it to the. And they, right. they they were very strict. Apparently, they were like, "We you will not." be let in if it's done if it's after five so they drove we got it so we didn't even uh, we literally didn't even get to review the the, the thing we it was just a, it was an assembly essentially and we were all excited we were every, like the crew of like i don't know 10 or 15 where everyone cheered when we got back and like we made it we got it in and we're like all right well let's watch it because we never actually have to watch it all the way through so everyone <laughs> oh sat down God. everyone sat down and i'm so excited and kind of proud because we all wrote it 
together and I kind of directed it, but you know, it was, we sat and we just watched this thing and I could just feel the energy just kind of slowly go, just slowly get sucked out of the room as I'm watching going, oh, this is, this is terrible. Like, oh God. Like it was so bad. But you take a concept like that, right? And I, I say it's a flawed, I said it was, I said, as you were about to start talking about it, like that it's a flawed concept, but if it's what makes, what drives somebody to go out and create something that I'm wrong. It's not a flawed concept. And if it's, yeah, especially when you're, well. when you're also starting out, if somebody creates a scenario like that, that create, you know, like makes people think, Hey, this is a, this is a thing I can, I can do. I can, I can like create this, this thing, this, these boundaries to work within and, and these rules to work within. Then that's a, that's a, Oh, nice thing. I mean, it's I'm, interesting. I'm honestly just kidding. Cause yeah. I do think that like anything that gets you to make stuff like, yeah. I did the first time I ever directed, I did three films in a weekend because I didn't know what I was doing and they were not great, but I just was like, I want to do a drama, I want to do a comedy and I want to do a mockumentary. And I just did them all in two That's days yeah. and, and then I, I didn't edit them, but like that, that was just, yeah, like yeah. there's failures and there's successes and you just have to do them. Yeah. yeah. I, I judged a, a 48 hour film challenge at for the Edmonton Film Festival one year when I was there for the film and then. And it was interesting just watching them and just seeing it's like, there's some talent. Like you can see yeah. a little bit of talent. The closest I did to doing one of those things was the, the Canadian Film Fest does this thing every, well, I guess they've only done it for the last two years, where they uh, do this you know, director's workshop. Mm. And the concept is they take a scene from one of the movies that they're showing at the festival and uh, they pick three directors uh, and they, they sell it as like a master class. And the idea is the audience gets to sit and watch the director direct the scene. Oh, cool. Live, and so you have to see the, the decisions they make. And we only have like an hour and a half to direct the scene. Huh. Um, and then we have to go off and edit it right away. And at the end of the day, we present the scenes, and then they see it, and we talk about and they can ask questions about why we did this, this way, and that way. And that's the closest I've gotten. That was fun, and then, but then super stressful as I'm trying to get... And it was, a, it was actually uh, a film that Mark was in um, Room for Rent it was a scene from that movie okay oh, you, oh so wait oh so you saw a movie that someone else made I, had, I hadn't actually seen the movie at that point so for me it was just like here's the pages um, here's the three actors you can cast them in any way you want to so each director could potentially we didn't know how the other ones were, we weren't allowed to watch the other sessions with the other directors so I, I cast the movie the scene completely different than anybody else had um, because the name there was no character name it was just a character one character two character three oh, so I my instincts were very different from anyone else's but it was just I guess it was an interesting process I, I would have loved to watch that from an audience member point of view too and to see that so I, I felt were, like the watching so you were on a stage and everyone was just sitting and watching as you were going they were in like a, we were in like a room so we weren't really worrying about the set necessarily because there was no real proper yeah. set it was just more like let's think about the angles we're using and this and that and kind did of you have stuff. any time to prep or anything I did get the, the pages and I got the pages uh, a day in advance and were told who the actors were and I could pick the actors that I wanted for the scene so that they could memorize the lines in time. Hmm. Um, and, and and you had a camera, yeah, obviously because you had it. I guess. Yeah. yeah, but it was. Yeah. I thought I thought I thought for that in particular ex- experience, I thought it was. I found like the audience got a lot out of watching us work. Um, that part of it. But I felt like trying to rush us towards an edit in that such a finite amount of time 
was kind of a failed experiment in the sense that it was it was a comedy piece too, and I'm like, it's about the rhythm and the timing, and I didn't have time to craft that. In the in, I had like an hour to edit the thing. Oh no no no! You know. And yeah, so, it's that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, like it's just again, like you're all just trying shit. Like the the thing about I find making stuff is, it, which I, my favorite my favorite time making uh, stuff was on the internet, uh, like with with Picnic Face because um, you. If it didn't work, you just threw it away, and like no one saw it. It didn't matter. And there were so many sketches that we would shoot. Oh my god, full eight, nine hour days that we would all do, and we would at the end of the day, we didn't work. Mark and I have like we've shot like seven or eight sketches just that we just are like we just meh doesn't work. Mm. But and that's yeah, that's good. Baroness was the same way. We overshoot that, and that's kind of how comedy works. I, absolutely, but but with, I guess I guess what I'm saying is like something. But you do have to do something. You yeah. have to deliver something. something so yeah. oh yeah, you can't throw the whole thing. At yeah, it. so like that's the thing with like I love the the lack of uh, like it is. You you can chuck it out. I mean, like the movies that I've done, it's it's all it's all fun and, and exciting. But I just love the the um, just the pure control that you had, like when we were when you have a small crew. Yeah, and you're just and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, and you can. You can, or not to say that it's always a failure, but there's just, I'd like that control. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I look back on, you know, I mean, you're you're speaking as like a professional who made a very successful sketch series, but going towards. One season. One season. Well, (laughs) I only did one season. A lot of people. Oh, yes, you're right. But to your credit, I mean, a lot of people still, a lot of people still talk about that series. I think it, it was. You know, it was a, it was a, it was much loved. I, 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 it was very loved, and, and you know, you look at like, you know, I remember when when Picnic Face came out, and this is an actual. I wasn't actually even gonna talk further, but, but like, you know, Picnic Face for, first came out. I remember everyone was saying, "Oh, these guys are the new kids in the hall," and you know, it's like yeah. this, like, oh wow, like that's what I grew up with in terms of that was my jumping off point in terms of comedy. And that show, like, uh, or what I admired or liked, and, and it was like when Kids in the Hall was out, one thing I really gravitated towards were were the little short films that they made within the, the series. You know, there was the sketches, but they made these little short films. Mm. And I you're think... Like, they, you're looking at a person that... <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm saying... Well, I'm talking about Kids in the Hall. I'm talking about the short Sorry. films that were sort of... Yeah, I love those. And, and I thought that, like, uh, you know, you guys were sort of doing something like that, and then all of a sudden the show was gone. And that's... Forget well, where I was really going with this, aside from the fact that, like, going into the idea of movies like Troll 2 and, and, and the idea of, like, you know, hoping that there's some passion behind this and, like, some sense of humor that, that like, yeah. people are just trying to make stuff and... I think that Troll 2, I don't know what, what that's all about. Like, I don't know what that's all about, but like... But bless I mean, them for trying. Yeah. Bless them for trying. I think if you could, we could sum up this whole conversation, it would be bless them for trying. <laughs> you make a bad movie, but, you know, bless you for trying. Yeah, but I'm not saying... I'm not... Now I feel like I'm comparing... Uh, uh, no, no, I'm you're not. You're that, fine. Like, oh, I compare... I would, that would be a compliment. <laughs> faces is, but I, I'm saying that, like, when I was in a situation... You know, as close as I could ever come to that in my early filmmaking career, 
was very much like something like Troll 2, where, where it would be like, I was in high school and a friend got a video camera and yeah. we started making yeah. stuff after school. And yeah, sometimes that. it was funny and sometimes it was like us lip syncing to the, our favorite song and making like a little film or a little music video or something like that. And, and I'd like to think that like a movie like Troll 2 did not take itself super seriously when it was being made. Oh, yeah. We made a Star Wars fan fiction where I played a character called Han Solo. I'm <laughs> not making that up. <laughs> Whoa, what a crazy play yeah. on the name. Super clever uh, parody. <laughs> Wait, did you say, just what What was the name? Han, my character was Hand Solo. Oh, okay. I, I, missed, the, I missed the D. So I thought your name was just Han no, 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 Solo. No. I thought that was the thing. I was like, what? No, okay. it was a terrible masturbation joke. Oh, Hand Solo. I get it, yes. Honestly, it took me a second. I'm no, sorry. it's not any funnier when you actually hear the Well, change. no, but the fact that at least there was a change of sorts. <laughs> it's, instead of just Han. I thought you were just mispronouncing Han. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, um, guys. Yeah, I mean, I walk away from this uh, just saying, if I was to walk away with this and impart any advice on those listening, it's like, when you come across a movie like this, watch it with others. That, oh, yes, don't watch way. alone. No. That's one of the saddest things you can do. Watching <laughs> watching a really bad movie alone, and and you, there's no one to look at and go, can, check this. Isn't this crazy? No, you just sit. Yeah, because I think nine times out of ten, you just be like, I'm not watching this. You know, yeah, what I mean? movies like off, I, I haven't watched that I actually need to watch. Yeah. yeah, you would turn it off. I would just say that going towards you know looking at like what people, what inspires people to to do things that you know later and and make careers out of I think things like things like Troll 2 are worth watching in a way not that we're making stuff as bad as Troll 2 but like or I say quote unquote bad as Troll 2 but like there's spirit there there's there's things to take passion there's passion there there's always passion if you're making something Kevin's a big fan of Troll 2 what I I love Troll 2 I felt like he thinks it's great he thinks the cinematography is amazing I guess that's when you walked away. That's different. I was going to ask you, what is the thing that uh, came out of this that might have been you might have saw that you never noticed before or thought of that you didn't based on? I mean, I, every time I watch it, I notice more and more things. I notice the, the mom in Troll in Troll Two in the early part of the film keeps turning off and on lights in the first part of it. So I like, and then she's uh, and that's I, I, there's so many things that I I've noticed, but overall, it was it's always wonderful to watch it with someone who hasn't seen it before and just see. Yeah you know what they react to and and uh, and and how they how they take it but and especially professionals it's great to watch with like an actual filmmaker an actual or super disappointing in that the dp you're about to work with so i am worried cabot i am worried but uh, <laughs> i think we should read the stone guys i got some ideas all right well thanks for having us over to watch this oh yeah no problem guys Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Thanks for joining us for Troll 2. If you like the show, please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word about it. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook for Black Hole Films. Leave a review there, or on Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is you listen to this thing. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.